eight years, seven years, ten years, whatever they're asking for, come on. That's not realistic. And we've seen it bite so many organizations in the ass. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the 3-0 Take, the official podcast of Dirt to Diamonds Baseball. Here are your hosts, Kyle Corwin and Nate Reyes. What up, what up, and welcome back to the 3-0 Take, the official podcast of Dirt to Diamonds Baseball. This is episode 33. I'll be your host, Kyle Corwin, and I'm here with my co-host, Nate Reyes. Nate, say hello to the people. Happy Thirsty Thursday, people. Uh, this will be the last episode before Christmas, so share with the people your plans for the holidays. Family is uh, throwing a little, what they call a misfit Christmas party, so... There's going to be a bunch of friends and uh, family coming over to the cribbo and going to rock ugly sweaters and stuff like that. You got a tacky sweater? I haven't gotten one yet. I got to pick one up. There's a a route that I'm looking to take that if it's not too expensive, I kind of want to do it. I found one last night. Instead of an ugly sweater, there's an ugly sweater suit. So it's like a it's like a wool suit with like a tie. I can dig it's it. It's not. It, it looks like it's ugly, but it looks good. I but, mean, I don't think that's possible, but I still dig it. It it would definitely stand out. So you're so you're saying you've you've never owned an ugly sweater? Like this would be your first one? Um. Well, ugly I sweater had suit. I had an ugly sweater party back in high school, and I. I used one of my mom's sweaters back from the 80s. That one was brutal because it had shoulder pads in it. So I rocked that. That was pretty nice. While I'm thinking of it, I don't want to get off topic because we were talking about ugly sweaters. But we had a little white elephant uh, party recently. I had some some friends of mine. And yeah. uh, I walked away with a, a, a neon flamingo, a little light-up flamingo that I put on oh. my desk. Perfect. So that's you been needed the, one of those. That's been the steal of the week. Yeah, I know you've been saying that a lot lately. Like, I really need a flamingo on this desk. I have. I mean, I've been texting you like a number of times. Like, I've I've been in the store. I've seen. I've sent you pictures. I'm like, I've, yeah, I've really wanted this flamingo for a long time, and none of them felt right. Wouldn't you this. know it? I I got one <laughs> for White Elephant. I didn't even have to get it for myself. So it was, it was a win win. You know. Yeah. Absolutely incredible. No, but yeah. uh, all jokes aside, heading home literally the minute we end this podcast, uh, heading back, to, heading back home to Northern Virginia. Uh, I was debating on whether or not we should record uh, when I got home, but at this point, I'm just trying to just knock everything out before I get home, so that way I can just kick back. It's been a, it's been a long week, and it's only yeah. Tuesday. Uh, yeah, but it's, it's definitely Wednesday, but it's okay. It, there you go. That, you're, <laughs> <laughs> you're proving my point. I don't even know what day it is. Uh, had to work the basketball game last night at Duke. It's just, it's, it's been a lot, but excited to get home. I'll be home for a couple weeks. Um, but we will be recording a couple shows over that time. Uh, we'll address mm-hmm. that later, but, uh, yeah, looking forward to, talking some baseball in this particular episode as we do 
just about every episode. Uh, it is a baseball podcast after all. Uh, but I figured I would start us off with some This Day in Baseball, baseball History. Baseball slash Flamingo. Baseball slash Tacky Desk Decorations. Um, yeah. But... Like I said, start us off with some baseball history. It's very, very light. December 20th is when you'll most likely be hearing this, unless I decide to drop the episode early, which there's a chance that might happen. I don't know. But we're going to stick with the routine of going the next day. So it is it is now December 20th. Let's just go with that. Um, 2007. Now, although baseball history was a little light, uh, I, I figured this one being kind of the bizarre story that it is would make up for the fact that we only had one uh, one talking point for baseball history. I, being a Red Sox fan, had no idea that this happened, and I'm not even sure if, Nate, you've heard, or if you heard about this back when it happened, uh, but I was actually a little little blown away. I, I was completely, completely taken aback by this one. But uh, 2007, uh, Boss, which was the name of Jonathan Papelbon's Bulldog, Ate the ball used to record the final out of the 2007 World Series, according what? to the Red Sox closer during an interview with the Hattiesburg American. Teammate Jason Veritek had given the ball to the reliever when the Rockies pinch hitter Seth Smith struck out to complete the fall classic sweep of Colorado. What? I'm livid. I would be so upset. The ball that ends the World Series, a Red Sox World Series nonetheless? Are you kidding me? So, so was it like, was it chewed up a little bit, like in Sandlot, or was it like gone, like obliterated? This I, thing is in the stomach. I honestly don't know. Either way, I like. I'm not even mad at the dog. What is what is Papelbon doing? Like, are you not gonna are you not gonna lock that? Not lock it up, but are you not gonna protect it in any way? Like, put it in a case or put it on a mantle yeah. out of reach of your dog. It's a bulldog. Yeah. I mean, how yeah. athletic can this bulldog be? It's not leaping across not. couches. Yeah, they're not. They're they're not climbing anything. They're they can't not stand up and reach to your mantle above your fireplace. Like, come on. I've got. I mean, yeah. Those are my questions. Either a, what is Papelbon doing, leaving the 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 ball out in the open for this bulldog to reach, or b, what kind of bulldog is this? Like this thing is what an acrobatic bulldog? I don't understand how it's how it's coming into contact with this ball. I'd be pissed. Not to mention why I don't even why does Papelbon have that ball? Like, yeah, he was a douche. It should be in the Hall of Fame. I don't understand why he has it. I don't know. Either that or Veritex should have just caught it, put it in the back pocket. And just kept it and just act like he forgot about it. Yeah, totally. Uh, something I did want to ask you now that we've wrapped up that just riveting this day in baseball history segment. Wait, wait. So let me get this straight. It's December 20th in 2007. So like two months after. Literally the guy didn't even have it for six months. It was like <laughs> two months. The ball's been... Wow. I had to think about that for a second. That's I realized it was it wasn't even that long. That's it's I I have so no thoughts. I have no thought very irresponsible. Uh but yeah, like I was saying, now that we wrapped up that, uh, I've got some questions for you, Nate. What yeah. what are the Yankees doing right now? Like the clock's ticking. Like I've been meaning to ask you this for a while, but we as as you and I have addressed, we try to hold off on the Yankee Red Sox talk. As much yeah. as we can, keep it down to a reasonable amount. But yeah. what? But what are they doing? 
or rather, what are they not doing? They have not attempted to do anything. I don't understand. Um, I really don't know what they're doing with, uh, with their offensive side of things. They've, you've seen that they've addressed a couple things with their starting rotation by trading for James Paxton and signing Jay Happ. Um, I think I, I really like CC. I'm a huge fan of CC. Um, as a guy, as a player, as he will be in the Hall of Fame someday. I mean, he's he's been a stud his whole career, even before he was a Yankee. Um, I don't know if re-signing him and, and slotting him in the fifth spot in the rotation will come back and bite them. Because um, I feel like they think they're done with adding anything to the rotation. Which is just right now, wild. Sitting, the sitting rotation looks like Severino 1, Paxton 2, Tanaka 3, Hat 4, CC 5th. Um, I wouldn't mind a six-man rotation considering you have Tanaka, who is used to that, or was used to that in Japan, um, and then J-Hap and CC being past that 35-age marker. Um, I think extra rest could help with that. It would help with the bullpen a little bit. So um, I don't know if they're going to go that route. I wouldn't mind seeing it, though. Well, I was going to say, before we get too deep into into possible moves that they could make, uh, this is a Thursday episode after all, so this this falls under the category of a team coverage episode, and we're planning on covering the Yankees in this particular show. So let's just run it back. Let's run 2018 back real quick. Uh, they finished with a record of 162. Eight games back of uh, Nate. Can you remind me who they who it was? I, I, I didn't. I didn't get that. Remember. I didn't get that down in my notes. Uh, it's not. I can't remember it. I'm gonna have to look it up. Yeah. Well. No, e- either way, they finished second place in the division. Um, although I will say, I'll, I'll give them credit. They had a plus 182 run differential throughout the season, uh, but that was also second place to uh, Nate. What was that team? I, again, I, I just have second place here. I didn't get the notes. Yeah, uh, it's not ringing any bells. I didn't get that down. Uh, yeah. But, yeah, like I said, I don't have the team name down, but I just have I just have it here that the Yankees finished second to a team that had a plus 229 run differential, which mm-hmm. pretty good. If you ask me, if you ask for my humble mm-hmm. opinion, I'm just a, mm-hmm. I'm just an ordinary humble? guy. I'm just an ordinary guy. I mean, I'm just here to, like I say, like I say, state facts. That's a fact. And that's, just... that's what I'm, that's what I'm sharing with the people. Uh, but moving on, uh, obviously got the uh, wild card win over Oakland. That was a real uh, nail biter. Um, and then moving on to the ALDS. Uh, I think we all know how that went. Um, three games to one to Nate. Do you do you remember what team it was? Again, I just have here. Yeah, I I, I literally have here on my notes. It just says L and ALDS, comma three to one. Do you know? I think it was the Red. I think it was the Red Sox. Oh, that's real original. I've been yeah. hearing that since I was like five. But yeah. anyway, uh, anyway, moving on. As much as I don't want to, um. This was their first season. I know we I know we've we've addressed this in previous episodes, but I want to I want to refresh the people 
with your thoughts on this. This was their first season without Girardi since 07. And then this was, that obviously opened up uh, the door for Aaron Boone to take over. Uh, now that you've had some time to think about it, now that you've had yeah. some time to let it marinate a little bit, what's your, what are your thoughts uh, about the team without Girardi? Um, I've made it clear since the beginning I wasn't a fan of the firing of Girardi. Um, and I definitely wasn't a fan of the hiring of Aaron Boone. Um, the, I, <laughs> it sounds cocky to say, I feel like I could have managed this team to 100 wins. I really do. I think a lot of people feel that way. You know, it's, it, it was a pretty stacked roster. Um, a, lot of, a lot of youth came up and, and you know, played really well. Um, I, I don't, I'm not impressed by Aaron Boone. I don't see the benefits really quite yet. I'm not sold yet. I don't know if I will be sold. I'm not sure, but. Well, let me um, ask you this before you go on. Let me ask you this. I, I thought about this earlier today and I wanted to get your take on it. If you had to give him a letter grade, given the talent that he had, the lineup that he was fortunate enough to put out there, like you said, with the pretty much a star studded lineup, um, given the fact it was his first year as a manager, uh, given the fact he had to manage in one of the biggest markets in baseball, if not the biggest, um, taking all that into account, if you had to, if you had to attach a letter grade to him, what would you give him? C plus. Very interesting. Um, Wasn't expecting that. I thought you'd, he, I thought you'd maybe go B minus, but I, I didn't, C. I didn't think C plus. I didn't think you'd stoop down to the C's. I'm. I would have given him a C if it wasn't 100 wins. If he was at 99, he would have gotten a C. But he gets a C plus for getting that. He hit that, that century mark, so he bumps up. Yeah. A, bumps up a letter grade. All right. Yeah. Just just the hair. Um, it, it was very evident, and, and especially in the postseason, that he didn't understand his pitching staff. Um, I think it's it's much more beneficial to have a quick trigger a quick leash than not have one um and this is the issue to me when you get the player coach or uh, that that is emotional and and connected on emotional level to his players more so than anything else if if it's girardi in that situation he doesn't care who's on the mound it's this situation with this many pitches i have this guy behind him in the bullpen he's done and so, to me, there were way too many instances where Aaron Boone was just like, oh, I'm, I'm going to give him my chance. He's my guy. There are certain times you can do that with your horse, with your guy that's, you, you know what I mean, that's been on fire lately, but right. a guy that's been struggling lately, the guy that, you know, overall the starting rotation didn't have a great year. Um, you know, Severino was a bright spot in the beginning of the year. It seemed like the all-star break was the beginning of that decline. Um, but, you know, I, it's just it was a lack of understanding, which is it doesn't make sense to me because it's such a contradiction for being a player's coach who knows his players. And it was evident that he didn't in the postseason. Um, you know, uh, but bright, bright, shining stars coming up um, with Andujar and Glaber Torres. I think uh, Andujar is... Uh, was robbed of the of the rookie of the year. I think he had a great year. I think um, defense still needs some work. 
I think that's why his name's been shopped around a little bit this offseason. Um, Glaber Torres definitely, you know, came out of nowhere with 24 home runs. Um, looked like he's he's going to be a stud defensively. Uh, looks like he's probably going to be able to slide over to shortstop uh, as of now um, to fill in that role for Didi. So, you know, I think there, there are some bright points that's, that's uh, good to point out with the Yankees. But again, I feel like it was more of the fact that the roster was put together pretty well. I don't really, I can't give that much credit to Aaron Boone. Um, and if anything similar happens to 100 wins next year, I don't know how much credit Aaron Boone will get again. I mean, it's essentially um, going to be like, I mean, the whole kind of theme of this episode, especially or specifically rather with the Yankees is, lack of moves so it's basically yeah. going to be the same lineup next year yeah and so you know it's i think actually it's wednesday so the manning manning machado meeting is today it's probably um, happening right now as we're recording Rob's east coast time what do you got over there One fifteen. yeah yeah so um you know we'll see again if it was my role i would obviously stay away from manny machado um, it doesn't make much sense when Didi comes back, what happens then? You know, what happens to Manny Machado? Do you move him to third? Well, you just had a potential Rookie of the Year winner play pretty well last year at third, so why move him? You know, it's I get the defensive upgrade. I get the star quality or whatever. He's a douche. You and I both think that. And I don't. I don't see it being a good clubhouse fit. Um, I, well, if it was me, I would I would sign Daniel Murphy. That would be my signing. Well, if you're looking for a second baseman, yeah, if you're looking for a left handed bat. Perfect. Yeah, the thing about Machado is like it's very clear that neither neither of us like him. We just think mm-hmm. he's a. I mean, I've made it very clear. I think he's a bum. Uh, but I've heard rumors that yes, although the Yankees are interested in him, that. And, and not to say that they're passing on him by any means because of the price tag, but they, the Yankees have come out and said that they don't value him at three hundred million. When I feel no. like that's becoming, I mean, that's almost, I don't want even I don't want to say the the baseline that Machado is going to be working with, but I feel like it's become the general consensus that that's kind of the number that he's going to be at wherever he goes. And so for Here's the Yankees, the-, the thing the thing I don't understand is Forbes values the Yankees at 4 billion, right around 4 billion and a 30 million per year deal for either Machado or Harper, who haven't talked about as much yet. Uh, that would only line up the Yankees next year uh, in terms of their payroll. They, they would line them up for roughly a $2 million fine for exceeding the threshold. Why they yeah. haven't locked up either one of these guys like by, by now is just absolutely mind blowing. Yeah, I mean, it is it is strange that there's been some p- them penning pinching that has been going on this offseason. Um, with, with Manny Machado, here's what I... Obviously, there have been reports that he's he wants to play in New York. He wants to be a Yankee. I don't think Brian Cashman wants to get into a long-term marriage again. They got bit by A-Rod. I, I, no matter what you know, people are saying, and I know he's going to be a Hall of Famer. I think there was a long-term commitment with CC that is starting to bite a little bit. 
that's he's perfect with his timing of retiring after this next year. Um, I don't think he wants to do that again. I what I see personally is I think if they do sign Manny Machado, I see it being like a three year hundred million dollar deal. I don't think I don't think Machado uh, is going to go for that. I really don't. I don't think he would either, and I don't know if I would if I was a player. I mean that sounds crazy because three years and a hundred million dollars is pretty crazy. But yeah, but to know that um, you're in, in in baseball terms, to know that you're worth a lot more than that, and you're worth yeah. much more commitment than that. I I mean, here's the thing. it's not that crazy. Here's the to thing: say. is three years. I, I I think three years is when everything starts to happen for the Yankees, which uh, one way or another, because a lot of guys are getting out of the arbitration eligible. They're going to be free agents. Um, guys are retiring. Prospects are coming up. So in three years, the Yankees are going to look very, very different um, because they're going to have to start to choose. You know, um, Gary Sanchez, Luis Severino, Aaron Judge, Miguel and Duhar, Glaber, Glaber Torres are all going to be at close to that point of, all right, someone's got to get paid and we can't pay everybody. So I think what they're really trying to do is, again, I don't not commit to Manny Machado for that long because you're, you're kind of cut handcuffing yourself when you do get to that point of all these young guys needing to get paid. And that's the thing, like logistically it might make sense on paper for a team, but for a player, especially with an ego, like the one that Machado has, mm-hmm. like I said, he's not going to go for that. And he's not going to want to, he's not going to want to be one of these puzzle pieces that fits into a long-term plan. He wants to be, he wants to lay the contract out on paper and say, "Build around me." Exactly, and yeah. he's not like I said. He's not he he's not going to go for anything. Uh, in my opinion, anything close to three years. He he wants long term. He wants the commitment, and I don't think the Yankees are willing to do that. And that's like I said, yeah. it's been kind of a theme so far uh, of just them not being able to complete anything. Uh, they passed on Corbin, passed on Ivaldi. Um, they so, lowballed him for sure. They lowballed a lot of free agents. And yeah, and it was frustrating. But it and and again, it wasn't because of the dollar amount. It was because of that extra year that those players wanted. Right, but like I said, it. I mean, they're valued at four billion dollars. So, and yeah. I, I know that that's that sounds very like naive to say to be like, oh, just give them the money. That's not what I'm saying. But I feel like if any team can afford to air on the side of an extra year just to lock in a guy. That's what the Red Sox did with David Price. They overpaid him so that they could get him to come to Boston because they didn't want him going elsewhere because he was set to go to, I believe, uh, St. Louis, but they didn't yeah. want him going anywhere else. And they're like, well, you're not worth this much money, but we're, we're going to give it to you so you'll come to us. And I'm just surprised that a team like the Yankees, who when you think of the Yankees, you think dollar signs, why they haven't been – uh, willing, especially in an off season that followed a very disappointing—I don't want to say disappointing season, but the the way it finished up—you would think a hundred year or a hundred win season rather um, that would leave the fan base with like a decent taste in their mouths. But yeah, it it just, like you said with the decisions that that uh, that Boone made, kind of really over the course of the entire year, it just there was something kind of sour about that season. And then obviously losing to Boston and the ALDS nonetheless, it just, 
I would have thought that there'd be much there they'd be much more proactive this offseason. Yeah, much more gas pedal. Yeah, I agree. It's it's a little frustrating as a fan. Um there there's so there's a balance between being patient and, and pressing that let's go button. And the when you mentioned like the David Price signing for the Red Sox, that was it that was a, a perfect balance of we have a young core that is gonna pretty much really provide our spark let's go get that star and and just nail this thing down and that's what the yankees aren't doing right now so that's what's frustrating you got the you got the roster let's go get that star and knock it down and you know it's 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 funny to say because john carlos stanton is a star he just won an mvp two years ago so they did press that button last year um, but it, it, it still feels like one more guy, one more guy that can really make a difference that can be the guy, whether it's offense or pitching, but press that button. Um, that's, that's it for me. It's frustrating. Yes. I would say the couple things I would do again, if I was Brian Cashman, I would go for Daniel Murphy. I think a guy who can play some second base, play some first base is left-handed pop. Um, he won't, he won't be a long-term contract cause he's in his mid thirties, um, between that and then, uh, Adam on Those are two guys that I would want. All right. Well, I don't want to talk about the Yankees anymore because I want to talk about franchises that have an opportunity to succeed in the future. So, uh, we're going to talk Dodgers because you mentioned, uh, the Yankees being a team that needs to get that that one guy. Uh, the Dodgers are at the forefront of a number of these conversations of uh, being in the hunt for said guy. Um, I w- it sounds like uh, they're kind of on the fence about Harper right now. They they did come out and say, as an organization, they came out and said that they don't want uh, to sign Harper to the quote-unquote record-setting deal that he's he's seeking. Um, yeah. But like I said, that seems to be a, a, a trend right now, not just with the Yankees or Dodgers, but kind of across the board. I mean, I just haven't heard of many teams right now that are willing to open up the checkbook and give these guys what they, in my opinion, are worth. Yeah, I don't I don't quite get it. I, I think me as a player uh, – I don't know if I look at the overall contract being like, I'm the guy. I think it's paid per year. That's the way I would see it. So when I talk about those guys getting a three-year, $100 million deal, you're making $33, $34 million a year, you're in the top three of getting paid. So what's wrong with that? So fine, maybe five years. But eight years, seven years, ten years, whatever they're asking for, come on. It's not realistic, and we've seen it bite so many organizations in the ass. Albert Pujols, Alex Rodriguez. Well, here's the thing. I think we're we're forgetting. If you think back to the Sports Illustrated that Bryce Harper was on when he was was a teenager, I think it was something along – like the headline was something along the lines of like chosen one, and that's literally been what's been pumped into his head since he was basically in Little League. And so the the argument of what's wrong with a uh, hundred million for three years that 
those two ideologies don't line up. You can't yeah. be you can't be quote unquote the chosen one in your respective field uh and settle for that quote unquote short term of a contract. I mean sure. three years isn't exactly short in the in the grand scheme of, of uh baseball. Um but it's for these guys that's it's not gonna cut it. Sure. I mean, just think of how much you control. We look at LeBron. That guy controls the NBA. Right. All he, ta- all he takes are three- and four-year deals. That's all he takes. The one in L.A. he just signed was a three-, four-year deal, knowing that his son is going to be drafted by the when his contract ends, and he gets to choose where he's going to go after that, and he's going to go play with his son. <laughs> yeah. Like, it's – he's – he is the the king of the NBA. If you want to label Bryce Harper as the chosen one of the MLB, dictate what you want. I wouldn't want to be locked down for eight years on, on one team that could go for it for the first two or three years I'm there and then just totally shut her down the rest of the time. Yeah. You know what I mean? And then they're so pigeonholed by you that they can't go out and build around you. So I, I don't know, man. It's... It's different. L.A. is definitely a team that has been spending the last couple of years since Magic Johnson pretty much took over that role. Um, pretty good year last year, 92-71, and 71, obviously won the division. Um, Which, by the, the way, we're all about hot takes on this show. Who said, I, I, every time this gets brought up, I want to I wanna put it on record as saying, I give uh, you credit. Who, yeah, who had them win, win in the division when they were I like nine games back in, during the summer? I give you credit. I was calling them to miss the playoffs. Yeah, which was a um, very, very hot take. <laughs> um, I think their pitching staff was very good. Not great. No one was great. Everyone was very good. One note I had down about their pitching staff is their highest ERA of their starters was 381. It's pretty impressive. That is pretty impressive. Uh, but you mentioned having a note. I've actually got a couple notes here from their – uh, playoff run before we get too deep into it. Uh, obviously defeated Colorado in the NL West tiebreaker game, essentially validating my hot take. It was their sixth straight division title, uh, and they were the first team to do that since the Yankees won nine straight from 98 to 2006. Uh, they defeated the Braves in four games in the NLDS, made made light work of Atlanta, uh, they defeated the Brewers in seven games, the NLCS. That was a, a very exciting series. Um, but the other note I had, they it was their third straight NLCS appearance, which was a franchise record, which was kind of shocking to me because, I, I mean, I just thought back to kind of the success the franchise had had, and I was like, man. I mean, not to say that making it to the World Series is uh, three times in a row is easy, but, like, to me, I mean, that just seems like something – Maybe the Dodgers would have done it at one point or another, but yeah, I agree. They've I guess, been around for a while. Yeah, well, I guess it was more so just because the play, the specific playoff format hadn't been around as long as obviously the Dodgers had. But still, something something noteworthy to to think about. Uh, but then ultimately, all that just to lose to um, Nate uh, again. I'm, I need help with my notes. I just the have Red here. Sox. I just have here that they lost the world, lost in the World Series in five games. Yeah, to the Red Sox. I'm sorry. Who is that? 
The Red Sox. I'm sorry, who now? Red Sox. It's not really an appropriate way to uh, speak about the champ, okay? It's exactly how they should be addressed. You need to... You need to go sit in the corner and think about what you just said. Nope. I feel good about it. I'm, okay. No, no. You know what? Let, let's put a, let's just put a halt to the show right now. Okay. This is a question I've had forever. Why is it that New York Yankee fans think that mm-hmm. the red sucks is, is, I don't even know what word to use is like legitimate like who who thinks that that's like an appropriate insult or comeback or name to attach to an organization? Like that is so unoriginal, so just boring, and just downright terrible. Who? Mm-hmm. Why is it a thing? Because it works. It doesn't work. We just saw work. this year that it doesn't work. It's working right now on you. We had a bench player hit for the cycle on your field the first time in postseason history. It clearly doesn't work. It's working right now against you. It's not working against me. I'm sitting oh, yeah. here. My I'm team you up right now. My team is the only team with four World Series titles this millennium. I am fine with that. This does not bother me. I am good. I am cool. All right? Cool. But that doesn't take away from how just childish the Red Sox is. What is that? Just tradition, my man. That is an awful, awful tradition. It's the same thing as the Yankees suck when you guys chant that in Fenway. That is absolutely not the same thing. That's to let the 100%. fans of the Yankees know when they come to Fenway just how bad they are. The Reds sucks. That's just, no. We're no. It's no. No. It no. Just no. I it's don't know. It's you know what? I'm what fine. did we say at the beginning of this episode? I'm fine. Yeah, that you thought it was going to be a short episode, but when you start just dropping these childish <laughs> asinine nicknames we're going to we're going to have good. to we're going to have to elongate the episode a little bit so thanks to you thanks to you once again you, we're not going to have this quote unquote short episode you as my friend have to understand that i'm upset and i'm depressed about my team i'm in my off season i'm sad and i'm taking it out on your team you just have to. You just have to. You as my friend have to see that. Nate, be better. No. Be better. Come up with something more original. Throw no. throw facts in my face or something. Don't be the rings no. guy. Don't nobody likes that guy. But you you have things that you can work with. Be better. You'll see. That's all I'm going to say. You'll see. Yeah. Well, that's what they said last off season when they signed Stanton and he struck out Give it time. more times than he came to the plate. So. Give it time. Whatever. All right. Back to the Dodgers. Let's look ahead to 2019. Clayton Kershaw, one of the top names surrounding the organization, signs a three-year contract through the year 2021 
more recently, Dave Roberts, their manager, signs a four-year contract. Which, by the way, what's your take on that? No. But well, why not? He's a yes man. He's a yes man. That's just what he does. Okay. No, no, no. You, th- you throw yes man around a lot. I'm talking like black and white. Just him as a manager versus somebody else as, as a manager. Would you or would you not want him to be the manager of that team? No. Interesting. I say uh, a guy who's taken you to the World Series two years in a row. Uh, are we just going to dismiss that? Because you probably shouldn't. Because like I've said on here before, there is mul- there are multiple teams that would kill to be in a position to lose the World Series twice. And I know that sounds ridiculous, but it's true. Why would you dump him and take on somebody that you don't know their... You don't know their uh, their potential, really, because they haven't been in that position before. You don't know uh, how they relate to the players. Dave Roberts, in my opinion, relates very well with the players because, like I've said before, he's not that far removed from playing. So we, we've talked about how that's become a trend in baseball and how it's worked for teams who have, have, have taken that path. But just – Try to figure out kind of where things went wrong. I mean, again, you can't really look at this past year as as a loss because, like I've said before, nobody was beating Boston at any point this year. So they they essentially won the World Series because, like like we said before, whoever came out of the National League basically won the National League World Series. Yeah, and that was that. So figure out where it went wrong. Plug in the holes. I know they're gonna they're looking for a catcher. Plug in the holes. And give it another go next year with the same guy at the helm. It's to me, it's that easy, which seems like what they're doing. So, yeah, I I think the NL is that division is a little bit lighter. I know it was snug between them and the, and the Rockies, but the the Padres and the Giants weren't even a factor. The Diamondbacks eventually fell out the last month, so I, you know, they they had it kind of easy in the division, in my opinion. Um. You know, a couple. I, I I give a lot of credit to the roster. I really do. The pitching staff did well. I noted that they have six guys who played at least 140 games. That's pretty impressive. Um, you know, I think they have a lot of talent. But you're right. I mean, I think there there isn't much that needs to be changed. I just don't know about the four year extension. You know what I mean? Right. Um... So I, I think. To, to me, it's like next year, it, um, if, it, if it didn't get done next year, I think I probably would have moved on. Well, uh, speaking of next year, the Dodgers have made it very clear within the, la- like in the last six months that they don't want to start 2019 with Yasiel Puig on their team. They're, they've been trying yeah. to move him for a while. Smart. Dates back to those rumors uh, from months back about the supposed plan they had in place to dump him or rather ship him to Washington as part of some strange deal for Harper or something. I don't know. Um, <laughs> yeah. But they have a very saturated outfield. Uh, so it makes sense. If you get rid of him, you get rid of his salary. Uh, they've, they're also trying to move uh, Kemp's salary as well. Um, but like I mentioned earlier, moving down the, the slate of personnel here, uh, free agent Yasmani Grandal, so they're they're in they're in search of a catcher, which 
they're thinking uh, Real Muto might be an option, but there's been rumors swirling around that, and it sounds like he might be a little too much for the Dodgers price-wise. So, yeah, and, and if, they're, if they're trying to throw Puig into that deal, that's not what the Marlins are going to go for. They just spent all this time dumping contracts. Why would they pick up Puig's contract? Right. Wouldn't it wouldn't fit? So they they have to they have to press the let's get rid of these prospects. You know, like they got to go on that move. Let's get rid of these prospects to go get our guy and go for it now. Right, and we a pretty substantial theme of any off season talk that we have on here usually surrounds the topic of money. Um, and so I did have one more thing on this before we before we move on. I want to get your take on. Do you think we're headed for another another labor dispute? Yeah, because, I think we're we're close. Because it's be I mean, I've mentioned it on here a number of times in addition to the other episodes we've talked about it. There are a number of teams at this point that are just sitting out on high profile players to basically avoid the la- the luxury tax and yeah. guys aren't getting paid what they're worth. So I mean, it sounds like you think that's where we're headed. I I personally think that's where we're headed because just things aren't getting done, and it's really causing a lot of uh, a lot of gridlock between players and and organizations, and the fans are suffering as a result because they're they're waiting for things to happen as right. the as the population that essentially supports and enables this game to take place they want stuff to happen too and there's nothing happening so i don't know it's it's interesting i did hear um i heard apparently that scott boris at the winter meetings i'm not a big scott boris guy um but into uh in terms of kind of this particular topic apparently he was he was advocating for a system uh and i'm i'm just going off memory here but it was something along the lines of like uh denying top of the draft picks to teams with the worst record. So uh, for those who don't know, obviously the, the draft order in simplest terms essentially is based off the previous season's um, standings. Uh, And so he's, he's advocating that uh, we stop, we stop rewarding teams for doing that um, and instead reward non-playoff qualifiers who achieve like, 75 to 85 wins mm-hmm. with a high with a higher spending allotment the following year and then so for example the rays right and that was the winning exact, 90 games yes when i read that that was the exact team that came to mind i was like that sounded exactly like the rays so you're essentially rewarding them for putting together a quality year even though down the stretch they it became very clear that they weren't going to make the or they weren't going to make the cut uh yeah. postseason wise um but you're still rewarding them with a higher spending allotment the following year or however many years later down the road. I don't know how that would work, but that was basically what he was advocating for. And, and the point of what he was trying to say there is that if you do something like that, if you stop rewarding these teams for just tanking at the end of the year, then winning becomes a lot more important. And, and the teams aren't trying to lock up picks the following year. So, I mean, something along the lines of, of, of that, I think would help kind of, uh, negate some of the issues we're seeing with with teams kind of holding out or holding back, if you will. So I I don't know what your what your thoughts are on it, but you know I 
Scott Boris is an idiot, but he does say some smart stuff every once in a while. Um, yeah, I think that would that would help pressing the implode button every every freaking June when or July when the team's like, nope, not going to do it, and they just dump everybody. Um, and every every player seems like a chess piece, and I think that's why these guys are looking to sign those long term contracts with with no trade clause built in because they don't want to feel like they're just a chess piece that if the team fails, just dump me, send me wherever. Like they don't want to go through that. Right. And as a human, I wouldn't want to go through that either. If I have a family and a house, my kids in school and all of a sudden I get traded from Minnesota to LA and it's like a totally different switch up. You know what I mean? It's, it would be rough. And so that's where it's getting to. And so I think, when you say that those teams that won enough games to qualify for that category but didn't quite make the playoffs, I think it would help those guys because they would be able to spend a little more money. You know, the Rays would be able to go get out get out there and go get a couple, you know, bats to help out. And so now they do have a fighting chance. Right. Um, I think, yeah, the luxury tax is, is a tricky thing. I think you're seeing a lot of different stuff, but that's – you're you're seeing it, when it comes down to it, you're seeing MLB clubs trending one way, and you're seeing players trend one way, and they're not the same direction. I would agree with that. Um, well, that pretty much wraps up the MLB coverage that I know you and I wanted to. Uh, Seat geek, talk. are you looking for tickets? Are you looking? <laughs> don't even you don't even have the ad over there. So <laughs> nice try. Uh, I just wanted to interrupt you, like you always. No, no, me. that's fair. That's fair. I'll give it to you. Well done, well done. Um, <laughs> congratulations on your first Seeky Gad read. Thanks, um, it's over. It's over. That was that was short lived. Uh, <laughs> but we wanted to dive in. It is a Thursday episode, and we wanted to dive into the best and worst segment. And this show, we will be talking about our best, or rather, our favorite and least favorite baseball accessories. So Nate, running through these relatively quick. Start us off with, we'll do best first. What do you got? Tape. Number one, for me, it's tape. So much swag and tape. Different colors, different heights. No, Tape always looks good. Disagree. I'm going to go tape, but I'm going to be specific with mine. Double white tape. I need tape on both wrists. Yeah, 100%. I was the same. And I'm not a big I'm not, I'm not a big color guy. I don't like mixing it up. I'm. Ooh, the color can look good every once in a while. Let I'm, me tell you. I'm I'm very particular. So yeah, I have a feeling these lists are going to be relatively the same on both ends for best and worst. But give us your number two. Shades, sunglasses. Oh, okay. Gotta right. be. I mean, there's there's swag when they're sitting on on top of the bill. There's swag when they're sitting on the face. They always look good. Well, uh, I went the opposite there. I went smeared eye black, and I'm very particular that it has to be smeared. I'm not a big stripe across the face guy like a Steve Pierce, which that doesn't even count. Steve Pierce was wearing like stick on eye black with like the team logo on it. Like we're not we're not in cheerleading camp, guy. Come on, terrible. Um, yeah, I love love him, but that's got to go. I think Andy Hart did the same thing too. Uh, at one point or another during the season, yeah. not a big, not a big uh, logo eye black guy. Um, 
But yeah, the, the eye black has to be smeared, but in a non-douchey way. Like, it has to be tasteful. You can't just be, like, running it down your entire face, like, down your neck, like, below your neckline. Like, come on, let's let's be reasonable with it. So that's <laughs> that's my number two. Uh, number three, uh, a sleeve, some type of sleeve. I'm not talking about your undershirt, I'm talking about an added on sleeve, whether that's just like a, a short little three quarter white sleeve that you wear on the elbow or you got the whole length sleeve that always looks pretty clean, which I will say the, a lot of the pretty much anything that a baseball player puts on is merely for looks. It has nothing to do with like yeah, preventing sure. injury. But I will say those compress those like I don't I, I guess they're like cotton. I don't you probably know what I'm talking about. But like the the compression sleeve you stick on the elbow, those yeah. things were like tight on the elbow, yeah. and you could definitely feel a very significant difference. So I can yeah. I can definitely speak to those. Uh, I was a big 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 fan of those. I wore those in college. Uh, but my number three is actually three quarter sleeves. So it's sleeves, but it's kind of what you were saying about the undershirt. undershirt. It's yeah, it's yeah. like the it's the whether it's the the hemmed sleeves or if you just kind of go old school and just cut cut the sleeves yourself. Either way, yeah. I'm I'm fine with it, but I'm a big three quarter sleeves guy. So Yeah. That was okay. Well, are the Dustin Pedroia's sleeve are they too long? Uh they're not three quarters. They're like nine tenths. I don't they're know. They're really long. It, I mean it doesn't help that he's like four foot three. So he yeah. has like a, it's a very small body that has to fill out sleeves. Yeah. So I'm sure if those sleeves were on a, a different, uh, <laughs> figure, they would fit, they might, might fit a little better. So that might not be the, the ideal example for those particular sleeves, but I think they're just a hair too long. Yeah, probably, but he's an MVP. So I'm not, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna fight him on it. Uh, what do you got for worse? What lead us off with the worst? What's your, what's your I black. All right, that's cool. Whatever. Hate, hate you too, man. It doesn't do anything. It doesn't do anything. And what did I just get done saying? It's literally for looks. It's merely appearances. Yeah. yeah you look me. good. I was a hold on. I was a big believer. And you look good. You feel good. You feel good. You play good. I yeah, lived 100%. by that when I played baseball. Hundred percent got to. That's why. That's why I taped up. I black to me just it's messy. Doesn't do much, and and you know it, you just kind of look silly sometimes. If it's done poorly, if it's done with the wrong taste, it can look very bad. Oh, I made it an art. Like I was the go-to eye black guy. Like everybody on my team in college would come to me. They'd be like, "Yo, can you get my eye black?" Because I would literally like <laughs> this is gonna make me sound like an ultimate diva, and I'm okay with that. But I wouldn't even put my eye black on at the field. I would like we'd be in the locker room and I would put my eye black on before we even got to the field. And I'd be like in with the, a mirror. Yes, in the bathroom, standing in front of a mirror, making sure I got Doing it right. Makeup. And if I didn't get it right, I would wipe it off and start over. So Doing your eyeliner. Call me a diva, whatever. I don't care. <laughs> uh, my first under the worst is it's not very specific. It's kind of vague. Anything neon. Get neon. Get oh. neon out of the out of the game of baseball. Like. No, it does not belong. Very good. It doesn't look good. Thank you, Yuena Cespedes, for making me realize how bad it looks. Yeah. It does not belong. Just And I'm not even trying to sound like an old man, and I'm not an old man in this regard. Anybody that thinks neon belongs in baseball is off the rocker. Like, no. Get it out. What do you got? Very good. Very solid pick. 
Marcel Azuna falls under that too. Like you're playing for the Cardinals. What are you? Why are you wearing a neon? Uh, I mean, I can kind of see it with like the Marlins. I can kind of see it because it just falls under like the array of wild colors. But yeah, but not still, still not a fan. But I will give him a slight pass because of the Marlins. Anyway, what do you got? Um, the C flap, the little flap Ooh. on the attachment of your helmet. Ooh. It is taken off and it drives me insane. It is so unnecessary. Unless you got hit in the face and you wore a fastball off your jaw, you don't need one of those. Well, I feel like it happens more often than we think, but I do agree. I feel like guys at this There's point are kind of just so many it. guys wearing it. It's too much. It's ridiculous. Yeah, good call. I I, I could potentially agree with you on that. Uh, my next one: anything digital camo. Like it, it, <laughs> it had its heyday. I will say, like I'm I'm pretty sure, like I had one or two things that were digital camo, but it was a. I feel like the digital camo trend was very short lived, and there's still teams uh across all levels of baseball i just feel like are still trying to milk it out a little bit uh but to me it's dead so no no bueno what do you got for your third one um this one's a little weird i don't know if you've ever noticed this before it's the weird wrist attachment that catchers have to their gloves oh where you take your glove off it doesn't fall it like is attached by this strap yeah i've seen those it's very bizarre what is that i have come on if you drop your glove, how far is it really going to go? Would it? And why are you dropping your glove? Yeah. What, that's <laughs> who what, knows. That's not. Oh, a thing. you know what? That kind of made me think. You were talking hands. Honorable mention for this list should be the oven mitt that these base runners are wearing. What is that? <laughs> are you I kidding me? What is that? that? Um, yeah. All right, my last one is uh, an elbow guard. Like. Oh, I mean, I know this might catch some people by surprise. And like, I know people are like, why? It's like somewhat practical. Uh, uh, I'm going to have to pass on that. I don't, <laughs> I don't see how practical it is. Guys, guys play baseball. The guys that for years had played baseball without it. And they did just fine. Like, yeah, you yeah. get a little bit bruised, but who doesn't want to bruise after a baseball game? Like those are the kind well, of things you knows, show off. Everyone knows like mm, pitches coming in. I'm going to twist and take it off the back. Exactly. What are you doing? Nah, I'm not even going to ask because there's. I'm going to get my face ripped off. But I don't think, I just don't think elbow guards are just all that practical. I think it's for guys that want to like feel like they're more beefed Fair. up when they go to the plate, which I can respect. Like you want to have, like mentally, you just don't want to have anything that you're thinking about except just mashing a baseball. And if, if making sure okay. all your, all your soft points are covered, then so well, be it. But I'm not going to are these new Evo Shield ones better than the ones we grew up watching, like Barry Bonds, David Ortiz, those guys wore? The yeah, giant I, ones. I think so. Yeah, I mean they've definitely like slimmed them down, and it's not as like just bulky and obnoxious. Yeah, but I mean that because like Barry Bonds looked like he was wearing like like roller skating pads. On well, his... that's also because his arm was like the size of his thigh. <laughs> but but it's okay. He was clean though. We, we've we've it's been yeah, it's, yeah. it's very clear uh, that yeah. he was clean. Um, yeah, but anyway, yeah. yeah, I mean, that obviously comes with technology as years, uh, as years pass, like Evo shield is obviously, I won't say perfected it by any means, but they've gotten it to the point where, I mean, you can't get much better in terms of keeping it kind of, uh, fitting to the body. Um, but yeah, that's, uh, that's my list. I think we got, some, good. I think we got some DMS. We're going to, we're going to hustle through here. Yeah. Rapid fire. And actually, Rapid fire. actually, 
rapid fire this time. Not we'll say we'll do rapid fire and not do it. We're gonna actually do rapid fire. All right. All right. All right. Anthony asks, how does it feel knowing that Machado could be the Yankees' only major spend for 2019? Doesn't feel good, Anthony. Yep, we kind of talked about that earlier. Uh, actually, we spent a lot of time talking about Machado, but it uh, doesn't feel feel good for Yankee fans, I'm sure. Um, but as a Red Sox fan, even, I can say it's very surprising. Yeah, it's weird. Uh, Ori asked, uh, who's your pick to lose to Boston in the World Series next year, Ori? Um, Ori, I love you. Uh, we're going... Uh, no, I already said this. We we already made our World Series picks. I'm going Braves. It's my hot take. I'm not even going to answer that question. A- Isaac right, asks, Isaac. what is your opinion of the Cardinals bringing back the powder blues? I love the jerseys, and I love the show. Thanks, Isaac. SeatGeek, it's the answer to all your ticket needs. Are you looking for Good tickets? Call. Do you have plans with friends or family to make it to an upcoming game or concert? Or are you even looking months ahead to nail down a date to get tickets before they sell out? With SeatGeek, you can find tickets to games, concerts, shows, and even theater performances, Nate. Yes, even theater performances with just a few easy clicks. We're making it even better for you if you're a first-time user of SeatGeek. Next time you add some tickets to your cart, DTD. Nate, no. Nate, here comes the important stuff. Use our promo code DTD at checkout to save $20 instantly off your first purchase as a first-time user. It's all you got to do to save some of that cold, hard cash. Enter promo code DTD at checkout. The Powder Blues for the Cardinals. Huge fan. Think they should Huge. wear them every game. I love the Huge Powder Blues. Fan. And especially if they can add, I mean, I'm all for throwbacks and keeping it tradition uh, tradition based, but if you can add maybe like a modern touch to it, yeah. I'm all for it. Huge fan. Powder Blues, you'd never guess they look good with red, but they do. They do. Incredible. And Isaac, thank you for the shout out, for loving the show. Big fan of you too. Um, let's see here. Jeff asks, I thought about quitting baseball, but it's been my game since I was born and I've been on and off with wanting to continue and I need some help. Yeah. Very unique question. Uh, I definitely wanted to include it cause there, I, I figured there might be some other people that are kind of in the same boat. Uh, just keeping to the rapid fire nature of this particular segment. I'll keep it quick, but I'm a big believer in doing what you're going to be comfortable with for the next four years. Like I, I, I say four years, I, I put that in terms of like a high school player thinking about if they want to look at playing yeah. co- baseball in college. If if you're happy with not playing baseball and being able to go to a big school with a big basketball program, program or big football program that you want to go to their games every Saturday or whatever, then that's fine. But if you're going to feel like you're missing out for the next four years of your life, or really for the rest of your life by not playing baseball ever again, then you might need to you might need to look into some programs that you would want to play for. It's all about it's it's all about sacrifice to me. So what do Jeff, you Jeff, empty the tank. Give it everything you got left. Empty the tank entirely. You don't want to be a guy like me who is past the point of playing but still wants to play, still misses it, still wished he played more. You don't want to be at that point. Finish it out. Do it as much as you can. If you don't get there, then that's the end. But empty the tank. Uh, let's well see. Said, Do you Nate. guys think Joe Maurer will make the Hall of Fame? Nate? No. 
I don't think he should, but he probably will. So I guess yes. Uh, I will say yes, and as I said on here before, I think it will be because they focus on his career as a catcher. What do we got next? Uh, Steven has a conspiracy. Ooh. Jesus Aguilar. Steroids. Apparently there's been a production up from 2017 to 2018. What do you got on that? Yeah, Steven's been hitting me up uh, recently. He's He, he might be on to something. Um Obviously, haven't heard anything about it on a on a national level, but he, he's got he's got an interesting uh, idea here. Um, Jesus Aguilar, if you I don't have the time to read off all of his numbers, but if you look at his numbers from the years 2017 across 2018, there is a very significant spike. Uh, and when he first mentioned that to me, I was like, ah, I mean, I don't know how much I believe it or how much credibility is there. But I looked at it, and there might be some cause for concern among the uh, the Brewers organization. Uh, it's a little a little sketchy, if you ask me. Uh, but yeah, definitely yeah. definitely take a look at his numbers if you haven't. It's it's, it's interesting. I won't say well, right. by no means do we do we promote this or we believe it. Uh, we're just putting it out there because Stephen had asked us to. Uh, so decide for yourself. Yeah, questionable stuff going on i don't know if he's been hanging out with ryan braun but um yeah definitely a huge jump very interesting um but you also have to remember that you know offensively sometimes things just click and you have a really good year i think if he just goes out and wins an mvp next year now we need to start doing some some digging for now not a bad hot take not a bad hot take at all steven so there you go. We'll leave it up to the listeners to decide for themselves. Uh, well, I think that wraps up the DMs, and as a result, wraps up the show. Nate, you got anything? Merry Christmas, everybody. Well, Merry Christmas. thanks for stealing my thunder, man, because I was going to wish the listeners Merry Christmas at the end of the outro. Oh, well, Merry Christmas, you filthy animals. And you stole the end of my outro. You're welcome. <laughs> as always thanks for tuning in we'll catch back up with you guys a week from today see i don't have any i don't have any pizzazz for this outro right now i, <laughs> I was really looking forward to it and you just stole it uh we're not gonna have an episode on monday the 24th aka christmas eve uh as we said around thanksgiving spend time with your friends and family that's far more important than listening to one of our podcasts uh we'll be back next thursday to talk more off-season happenings I hate this. Why, why am I doing this? You stole you any it. creative man. fives? You can steal the five thing if you want. Um, okay, that's fair. In the meantime, be sure to subscribe to this podcast wherever you listen to it and leave that rating and review. Kyle, how many stars? Five gold stars. We love y'all. That's good. And as always, we're looking. thank you. I, I, I actually worked on it today because I was going to steal it regardless. Had you not given it to me, I was going to steal it anyway, so you're welcome. Uh, We love you all, and as always, we're looking forward to talking more baseball with you guys soon. We hope everyone, as Nate said, has a very Merry Christmas. Until next time, stay filthy, you filthy animals. What the are you telling me to take? You take! Don't tell me you don't see it! You look! You understand?